Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's that time of the year where the tournament is finally upon us. College basketball takes center stage. BetOnline is the number one spot for bets, odds, information, and the 2022 college basketball bracket contest. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get started today. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night, however or whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping in to another fantabulous episode of the Believe in Houston Texans podcast live on the Believe Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast, except it is live because we're also available on YouTube. Welcome in, everybody. I hope you all are having a fantabulous day. We have a bonus episode of the Believe in Texans podcast coming at you on a Saturday morning because I didn't know that Deshaun Watson had been traded last night because I was on a flight back home. You may notice my background is different this time, but if you're listening on podcast, you can't tell that my background is different. Uh, So, Deshaun Watson did indeed get traded, and I don't want to talk about this situation from like a did they get enough or did they not get enough situation, because all of this was an incredibly, incredibly compromising position morally, ethically, legally, and for NFL teams just making decisions to alienate their fan bases. Um, I think you can argue Deshaun Watson's fan base is pretty alienated, but Cleveland Browns find Cleveland Browns fans find themselves in an impossible situation now, and the Houston Texans find themselves in a less compromised situation than they were yesterday. I think you know altogether the Houston Texans look like the beneficiaries of this story. Um, but even the fan bases of the NFC South teams that don't have star players that all tried to also get in the Deshaun Watson game, they all look kind of dumb at the end of this and putting their name on, we want to acquire Deshaun Watson and we will give up everything in our franchise to make a sexual predator the face of our franchise. We will give up our entire future. In the case of the Falcons, we will burn bridges with the greatest quarterback our franchise has ever had because we want to get in the game of being a team with an elite quarterback for the next 10 years who is available on a cheap contract, who's going to restructure his contract in such a way that he's only going to make $1 million next year while he gets suspended by the NFL and then make giant money on the back end of the deal. And all those teams were willing to do it. And Deshaun Watson had all of the power and all of the leverage, and he ended up choosing the Cleveland Browns. So let's talk about this from a moral and ethical standpoint, because the Houston Texans, since this is a Houston Texans-centric podcast, the Houston Texans, as a national story, are one of the least interesting 
parts of this story. Like, we've seen teams in similar situations jumpstart rebuilds this way. And I know we talked about on our State of the Houston Texans podcast that this is year three of a five-year rebuild upcoming for the Texans. The Texans had to get rid of everything that they had. Um, in the past two years, they went 8-26 and and only have Davis Mills and Rex Burkhead to show for it. 8-26 and since they were up 24-0 on the Kansas City Chiefs in the second round of the playoffs. And they have... Only Davis Mills and Rex Burke had to show for it, but at least now they have the number three pick, and they'll have the number one pick or number two pick or number three pick in next year's draft, and that might lead to another star player or put them in a position to acquire a star player, and they have all sorts of other draft picks in between that might work out, might not work out, but we'll find out eventually how things turn out for the Texans with all of those extra draft picks that they have now. The point that's more interesting when it comes to the Houston Texans and this trade is Deshaun Watson being someone who had all the power and all the leverage. Because as soon as this trade was made, which we'd all kind of mentally prepared for this situation to happen, morally it's offensive that 23 women were bringing, you know, 23 women came forward. There's also more reporting done by Jenny Vrentas of Sports Illustrated and now of the New York Times where you can see more people are victims in this situation. These are only the people that we know. 23 women come forward and say that Deshaun Watson engaged in sexual harassment and inappropriate relationships with them in work environments. And as long as it's not criminal, the Cleveland Browns can get away with the public relations move of we are going to trade for a sexual predator, make a sexual predator the face of our franchise, which four teams were willing to do. And we're going to burn bridges with our other quarterback who was for a time the greatest quarterback the franchise has ever had we're going to burn bridges there because he's immature and we want an adult in the room but also he just can't throw a lot of he can't throw enough touchdowns to make it worth it that we're going to back him up publicly and so Cleveland gets to be that team that compromises all of their morals and ethics and I don't it seems to me like the NFL stepped in at some point and said hey, Houston Texans, you're not going to play Deshaun Watson, but we don't want to put him on the exempt list because that's going to be challenged by not just the Deshaun Watson's legal team, but possibly the Players Association. So we're not going to put him on the exempt list, but could you essentially put him on the exempt list? Could you make him inactive for all games? Keep paying him? Just do us a solid on this one? And then they traded him at the end of the line, you know, maybe the most talented quarterback the Texans will ever have. They traded him at the very end because he wanted to leave and they got the, whatever compensation they got for him and because and because he was a sexual predator, but also because he wanted to leave and he had all the leverage in negotiating with the teams that he was leveraging with. He was interviewing other teams as to why he should play for their franchise. And the Texans just took offers in the first place because all those teams were willing to pay whatever it took for the Texans to get them. And the Texans get whatever you call fair market value or not fair market value that we don't want to talk about with this trade. We'll have time to talk about the individual draft picks over the next couple of years, but let's not make Deshaun Watson a value when the trauma that he's caused to other people is incredibly compromising and also puts those other people in a position where they they get to be victims all over again because they have to relive this situation and relitigate it in the public with a lot of people who are inclined to not believe them 
and their story because Deshaun Watson is the rich and famous person who makes this a story. But as this relates to the situation with Watson, he had all the leverage, all the power, and the Texans as an organization became sort of bystanders in this situation, which is incredibly fascinating that he was able to have that much leverage in a trade and all of this helped move it along because it meant the Texans weren't going to fight to keep him around. And whether the Texans get bonus points for being for making the right moral decision or not making the right moral decision is, I think, indifferent. I think the Texans are a corporation. The Houston Texans are worth 2 to $3 billion, and they will do what is in the best financial interest of the Texans more often than not. In this case, I suppose for them that meant trading Deshaun Watson and getting whatever compensation and public good publicity of not enabling the sexual predator while also getting market value for the sexual predator, which is, again, an impossibly morally compromising situation that nobody asked for in this situation. Not the Cleveland Browns fans. The Cleveland Browns as a franchise, they asked for this. The Cleveland Browns, I'm trying to think of what would be a name to call them as a way to shame them. I still call the Washington racial slurs the Washington racial slurs, just to point out that the only reason they changed the name was because corporate pressure pushed them to change the name. And corporate pressure will again could have pushed Cleveland to not trade for Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson was a hill that people were willing to die upon, it could have pushed the Cleveland Browns to not acquire Deshaun Watson until he showed a level of contrition and settled out his settled out his civil suits and all of the legal stuff that we talked about on last week's episode of the podcast and I've talked about over on my show, Take It Easy, which you can check out on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, you can see all of that playing out and maybe that was the hill we were willing to die on. And I want to have some way to morally shame the Cleveland Browns, even if it's a small way of doing it. Some way to shame the Cleveland Browns for what they've done would be ideal because I understand the decision making from the parties involved, which is we are going to do what is in the best interest of winning football games and making money. Making money first, winning football games second, but winning, <laughs> making money and winning football games is the ideal move there. And the Cleveland Browns have decided that winning football games means compromising all of your ethics and morals and making a sexual predator the face of your franchise. He never has to answer for this. Deshaun Watson will never have to answer for this publicly unless he so chooses to answer publicly for this. He's going to be protected by the shield. He's going to be enabled by the shield. And the Cleveland Browns are going to get a star quarterback out of the transaction. And it's a pure, cold-hearted transaction. And if you don't value morals and ethics in making your transaction then this is an understandable end result that I think we all kind of mentally prepared for. But I don't want this to be normal. I think a lot of people don't want this to be normal either because this is an incredibly unprecedented situation. The fact that we are covering the Houston Texans at this crossroad is incredibly fascinating because I would articulate over the past year, this has been the sports story for a generation. Maybe a generation is only five years but this has been the sports story of a generation. And the fact that it ends with the Houston Texans just having a transactional thing that the Jaguars did, the Jets did, the Steelers did with Le'Veon Bell in sitting out a year, like the fact that all of it feels transactional for the Texans is something that doesn't make me feel good because of the morals and ethics that the Houston Texans had to compromise in this situation. 
Uh, and obviously the Houston Texans inherited a situation that they didn't know this would be the case. Like the Houston Texans did the best they could under an impossible situation. And by the way, that's about what Cleveland Browns fans are going to have to decide right now. How do we make the best moral decision? How do we make the best ethical decision in an impossible situation we did not ask for? Our franchise traded for Deshaun Watson. Next year, we're going to be bad, or not bad. We're going to be the about the same team as last year because Case Keenum is going to be our quarterback. But after that, we get to have the generational game-changing quarterback who also happens to play with one of the best defensive players to ever play the game and an all-pro corner and a star running back and enough receivers to make Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham regret leaving the Cleveland Browns. Like, all of that gross stuff that we think matters more than we do. And if you're willing to compromise morals and ethics and just don't care about the Deshaun Watson stuff, probably the stuff that you still care about. All of that is a difficult situation for the Browns to find themselves in, and I'm sure Texans fans were going through a similar situation. Fortunately for them, they didn't have to get to a place where they were forced to defend Deshaun Watson. And I think anyone who's supporting the NFL doesn't want to be put in that position where your morals and ethics have to be tested by this weird world of sports. But I would argue that morals and ethics are tested everywhere. And if you choose to make a moral and ethical stand, it can be incredibly, incredibly draining and difficult. And hence the fact that I'm supposed to be talking about what this means for the future of the Houston Texans. Go look at what the Jaguars did. Go look at what the Jets did. If you want to know what the future of the Texans looks like, this has happened. This happens every year. A te- the Seahawks just did it. Like, this happens every year. A star player on a team is ready to leave. The team wants to do a teardown. The Texans just took two years to get back to the bare minimum. Listen to our other podcasts on that. What's incredibly morally and ethically compromising here is if you choose to make a moral stand on this, it can be very, very tiring to be moral and ethical in this situation. Now, for me, it took a year plus to come to terms with this Deshaun Watson situation. Obviously, I'm not a Houston Texans fan, but I was a big Deshaun Watson fan. And Deshaun Watson was someone who excellence on the football field was something that I equated to being an excellent person. And part of that was that Deshaun Watson was, one, he was obviously incredibly, he was a big member of the Houston community and big part of the Atlanta community where he grew up. And he lived in housing that was built by Warwick Dunn and then was a ball boy for the Falcons and becomes this generational star black quarterback that we've never seen in the NFL, or at least very rarely ever see in the NFL. Going to Clemson, winning a national championship at Clemson, gets drafted as the third quarterback in his draft class behind Patrick Mahomes, traded by the Cleveland Browns, by the way, in a fit of incredible irony, traded by the Cleveland Browns to the Houston Texans on draft day and turns around the Texans franchise, where the Texans are going through a revolving door of Matt Schaub's, Brian Hoyer's, Brock Osweiler's, TJ Yates. I think TJ Yates started a playoff game. Like, yes, that's the story of Deshaun Watson there. And I equated that as putting Deshaun Watson on a moral and ethical pedestal. I also read Deshaun Watson's book deep in the archives of our Take It Easy podcast. There is a Not So Aging Gracefully podcast where I talk about the Deshaun Watson book and him as a leader and him as a worker and things that felt like propaganda for Deshaun Watson. But it took a learning process to realize just because athletes are excellent 
doesn't mean that they need to be put on a pedestal as excellent people because I don't know Deshaun Watson. I don't know Patrick Mahomes. I don't know Lamar Jackson. I only know the periphery of their lives. I don't actually know them as people. And therefore, putting athletes on the pedestal as people is something that is incredibly unfair, but also benefits the league because if you make an emotional connection with the NFL or with the Houston Texans or with the Cleveland Browns or any NFL team or any sports team, you're more inclined to spend money because you are more irrational with your money because it doesn't make any sense in the world that you would pay $150 for a jersey of Nick Chubb. It's irrational. It's emotional, it's disposable income in some cases, but it is sports and it's emotional sometimes and we make weird emotional connections to sports. And so in this weird pantheon of sports, we find ourselves having morals and ethics tested if we choose to have morals and ethics. Everyone has to decide for themselves how they feel about the Deshaun Watson situation and not everyone cares about women. The NFL doesn't care about women, but most people don't care about women especially men don't care about women in a way that has actual meaningful impact and change in the world. Hence why we continue to see 25% of women facing some sort of sexual assault at some point in their life. You're going to see this be an issue because we've decided this is where we want to live in a male privileged society in a white power society. We've decided that these are the places that we want to be right now. And if we want to change it, then we are the ones who have to sacrifice Powerful people aren't going to compromise on this situation. We're just seeing the Cleveland Browns not compromise in this situation. And three other NFL teams, with all in the NFC South, all who will lose to the Buccaneers next year, all willing to say, nothing is more powerful than the almighty dollar. Nothing is more powerful than the almighty win. And every and again, like I understand why teams did that. You will get fired and you will lose to the person who does trade for Deshaun Watson. It's a system that swallows people up because it benefits the NFL and because it's just the system that has been created in a post-corporatization of the NFL. It's beyond one person. It's beyond an Andrew Barry. It's beyond a, a Kevin Stefanski. It's beyond a Jimmy Haslam, even, who's a billionaire who owns the Cleveland Browns. It's, it's beyond Cal McNair. It's beyond the team pastor that's running the Houston Texans. It's beyond Lovey Smith, certainly, because Lovey Smith is just a shadow coach power figure for the Houston Texans and it's a system that is beyond all of these people and yet they have to make moral and ethical decisions within that system and that can be incredibly draining and incredibly fatiguing especially if you choose to make a moral stand on this situation and for me it's taken a while to get to that place I remember when Deshaun Watson news first broke last year in my mind I was saying I want to not believe this is true. That was my first instinct in the situation. And then I thought to myself, why do I not want to believe that's true? Because I never have that reaction to these situations. I'm usually much more of an empathetic person in this circumstance. And part of it is depression and part of it is the pandemic. But I wanted to believe it wasn't true because I put Deshaun Watson on a pedestal that Deshaun Watson didn't deserve. And to Deshaun Watson's point, like, he should have used, like, as a pro-labor person, he should have used every bit of leverage that he had. He should have negotiated that contract. Deshaun Watson should have gotten exactly where he wanted to go because he is the greatest trade asset to ever become available in the NFL. The system should not have allowed him to go through with that, at least not now. 
at least delay the power, at least delay the leverage. Deshaun, this is a such a unique situation. We will never see something like this again. Specifically the way that this went down, where you have dozens upon dozens of women coming forward and saying this is a sexual predator, a sexually predatory behavior by Deshaun Watson. Ben Roethlisberger and Kobe Bryant are the closest examples we point to in sports of crimes against women that end up going punished or unpunished in a pre-Me Too world. This is predatory behavior by Deshaun Watson. And before all of that happened, he was going to be the person who tested the water and said, I am 25 years old. I am a star quarterback. Everyone in the sport wants this. And I'm going to pick where I'm going to play because I have set up a contract and I'm going to use all of my power and all of my leverage to get out of Houston and play exactly where I want to play. It was made, the Houston was probably going to oblige beforehand. It was just made easier because now you can make a moral and ethical stand of we don't want to invite this into our locker room. We don't want to invite this into our world. The Cleveland Browns wanted all of it. And the system will not only get let Deshaun Watson go exactly where he wants to go, set up a contract exactly the way he wants it. He will never have to answer for any of his, I mean, you can call them crimes. I know he didn't get charged criminally. He will never have to answer or atone for any of his actions. And by the way, the players in the Cleveland locker room are going to have to answer for Deshaun Watson now. Unless we're all just going to say, the NFL is going to say, you are not allowed to ask this question journalism is going to have to find some measure of access or they're not going to do journalism around this. And that would be an incredible, incredible disservice for all of us if they're not going to do journalism around this. And unfortunately, because you can't access Andrew Barry, because you can't access Kevin Stefanski to ask him those types of questions without him deflecting, the players are going to be the ones who have to answer for the organization. And it's incredibly unfair because now they have to make moral and ethical compromises in public. And if they say something wrong, they're going to get clipped. And we're going to use them as the face of this person hates women or this person hates Deshaun Watson. And now there's a controversy in the Browns locker room. And that's incredibly, incredibly unfair to them, but also unfortunate for all of us who are watching this go along and all of us who are deciding this is the type of environment that we want to have in sports and this is the system that's been built it's not perfect it's not ideal it's just the system that we created it is impossible to not be hypocritical or compromise your morals at some step of the way we just got to do the best we can in these situations and i would argue that people who don't want to talk about the, the gross underbelly of Deshaun Watson or the morals and ethics of NFL teams or the morals and ethics of themselves when it comes to rooting for Cleveland or not rooting for Cleveland or what kind of support you give Cleveland, all of that is going to be testing the morals and ethics of NFL fans, of Cleveland Browns fans. All of this is going to be incredibly, incredibly difficult for them. And they didn't ask any of this. Like, Falcon, we all want moral and ethical decisions and accountability measures to be taken out of our hands. We just are inclined to not want to be moral arbiters. It's why we create legal systems. We don't want to be moral arbiters on all of these situations. And when legal systems aren't equipped to handle certain situations, we turn to employers and we turn to corporations to be accountability systems, especially if the NFL has a personal conduct policy. The NFL wants to be moral arbiters and have good people because even if it's good for business, it is a result where the NFL wants to be moral arbiters on this situation. And so now we turn to the NFL 
who is not equipped to handle this situation. Because if legal systems can't figure it out, the NFL sure as shit isn't going to be able to figure this out. They're going to do whatever they can get away with as a punishment. And so the NFL finds themselves in a situation where they are going to atone for whatever has happened. In the, the NFL is going to make the bare minimum effort, prevent Deshaun Watson from atoning, protect him as part of the shield because he brings incredible value to the sport, so much so that no amount of negative PR or no amount of bad press is going to really make them alienate themselves from Deshaun Watson. Hence the fact that four NFL teams lined up and were willing to compromise on everything. They were going to give up all of their draft picks, all of their franchise valuations to acquire that quarterback because that quarterback never becomes available. And the NFL can make tons and tons of money off of Deshaun Watson. Therefore, they're willing to ride out whatever negative publicity it is because we won't hold them accountable. We won't make them lose enough money to make it not worth it to keep protecting Deshaun Watson under the system that's been created already. Why? Because it's the NFL, and we all love football, and we're talking about football in the middle of March Madness, and all of it is crazy, and from the standpoint of the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans end up being a small player in this weird game that is the NFL. The Houston Texans right now are a team at the bottom of the NFL, like they are the worst-run franchise in American professional sports, as I like to say. The Texans are at the bottom of this game, but now the Texans get to be a major player in this game. Not as major as Watson, because Watson had more power than four NFL franchises and the Houston Texans, so I guess five in that case. He held leverage over five NFL franchises and got to go exactly where he wanted to go once the Texans approved of a trade. And he outflanks the Texans. The Browns outflake the Texans because the Texans take their draft picks. But those draft picks, as we've seen with Jalen Ramsey and Zach Wilson, or sorry, uh, Jamal Adams and the Odell Beckham trade or the Khalil Mack trade or the Laramie Tunsil trade, they don't always work out. They don't always work out. And the Texans just get to kick the can down the road on building a team up in the future. And all of it is incredibly, incredibly compromising. And all of it is incredibly difficult to play out over the next to see play out over the next year or two years especially if you root for Cleveland but even if the Texans are small players in this because for the Texans like as crazy as this situation was this was business as usual for the NFL the Texans let Deshaun Watson do his own thing because Deshaun Watson had the power in the situation yes they approved all the trades with the teams that were trying to acquire him they just let Deshaun Watson do whatever Deshaun Watson wanted to do in that situation. As long as the team was willing to pay three first-round picks, we won't be major players in this situation. We're going to sit this one out, which I do appreciate that they were willing to sit this one out. Yes, it was what was the best, you know, the the best path of action for them if they were evaluating the landscape of the NFL and evaluating the landscape of this situation. The best course of action was for them to just bite the bullet, pay him $40 million, and you get whatever draft picks you get for him at the end, because no matter how many crimes he has, he has so much value that no one was going to pay less than market value to get that quarterback. And so the Texans don't get to be the largest players in this game. They'll get the draft picks. You'll have two years to talk about how that's going to work out. We've seen it happen time and time again. This happens every year. A star gets traded for multiple picks every year. 
and the Texans just get to be the team that gets to boot up a rebuild in that way. That's the only part the Texans have to this. They aren't major players in this Deshaun Watson situation. They aren't major players in what the Cleveland Browns fans are now going to have to decide for themselves are the moral and ethical compromises they're willing to make to cheer when Deshaun Watson throws touchdown passes to Amari Cooper. Texans didn't have to deal with that. It was easier for Texans fans to cut off Deshaun Watson and isolate Deshaun Watson and make him the pariah, which for a time was probably the best way to go. While you're figuring out how you feel, it's okay to make mistakes along the way. It's okay to make Deshaun Watson a, a pariah, a sexual predator who is unwilling to be forgiven. Like that, It's really hard to deal with these situations, and Texans fans didn't ask for any of these moral compromises. Even Jack Easterby, as much as I give a middle finger to Jack Easterby as often as I can, like Jack Easterby, at the very least, did not ask to be put in this situation. Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Watson was going to leave anyways because of all the shit Jack Easterby did before, but Jack Easterby was not asked to be a moral arbiter on this situation, and he never had to answer for it. Nick Casario is going to be the person who answers for it in a prepared statement, which I guess is more answering than the Tex than the Browns will do, because Deshaun Watson will never have to answer for anything that's happened here, and all of the power will protect Deshaun Watson, and all the power will protect the Houston Texans' dollars. I don't know how the NFL is going to make it up to them in the long run, but they still have like a safety net system where, yeah, they paid $40 million to Watson while he was going through legal issues, but the NFL might have like a little backdoor sneaky dealing to help them out in the end so that they could not be put on the exempt list and not create a national controversy. The NFL navigated as like, how can we ignore this as much as possible, but then get all the payoff when Deshaun Watson ends up coming back and being the star quarterback in the same way that the NFL had thank you Ben when Ben Roethlisberger retired because they don't want anyone to think about all the gross stuff that their players did or whether it's Ben Roethlisberger or we can go to Deshaun Watson or we can go to Kobe Bryant we don't want to think about that stuff when we watch sports and for the most part that's something that most sports fans if you invest large amounts of your emotional stability into sports are not willing to compromise on. I don't even know if I'm willing to compromise on that. I'll still watch the NFL. I just want to have some way to shame the Cleveland Browns for what they've done as a small measure of accountability. I don't know if it's enough. Call them the Cleveland Clowns, although I don't like using clowns. Call them the Cleveland Frowns, Cleveland Downs. I don't know. Figure We'll figure out something to call them, like I call the Washington racial slurs the Washington racial slurs still. It's a small monicum of accountability, but every time you bring it up, it can generate a conversation with someone who maybe doesn't have the same morals and ethical stands as you, I guess. I don't know. It's a small way of me trying to process what is the appropriate way to go about this. The easiest way I figured to appropriately go about this is to not talk about the actual trade value of this situation until we have some monicum of resolution and until we can have time removed from this situation, which again is the sports story of a generation, testing morals and ethics at every turn and testing NFL fans in a post-Me Too world in a way that they have never been tested before. And a lot of people will have, you know, if you look closely enough, you can learn a lot about people based on how they respond to this situation. It's really, really interesting and fascinating and will require some character growth for a lot of people. I'm not sure if Deshaun Watson is going to be one of those people because the shield is going to make it easier for him. Instead of atoning and instead of showing regret 
and addressing each of the victims and, and giving apologies like Ashley Solis, who is the person who was willing to come forward in the very beginning and put her name on the lawsuit without knowledge that 22 other people would come forward. If Deshaun Watson's willing to atone to those 22 people, I think people would be more willing to forgive him because as even if he is a sexual predator, I think people want just some measure of accountability. I know I want some measure of accountability for Deshaun Watson. The NFL is going to give some of that because public pressure will force the NFL to do some of that and give Deshaun Watson a year suspension or an eight-game suspension or whatever the NFL is going to decide is the right moral and ethical stand. But that's just what the NFL can get away with as the right moral and ethical stand. Um, whatever they decide they can get away with, they'll give him the suspension. Watson's prepared for it, by the way, because he's only getting paid a million dollars next year, and then he'll make 50-plus million dollars every year after that. All of it is incredibly, incredibly compromising, and all of it is incredibly, incredibly difficult to navigate. And I appreciate you letting me navigate it even more here now that we have an official trade. You need to find some way to shame the Cleveland Browns. I'm not quite sure how to do it, but... We'll figure that out over on Take It Easy over the next coming weeks and months as this situation doesn't end, but it feels like it's headed towards a, a climactic finish after now a year plus of dealing with this legal, learning more about the legal system in this situation and making moral and ethical, you know, I'm not going to say advances or compromises, like growing to realize that morals and ethics are more important and having perspective in this situation I think that it's been an interesting year, and it's the sports story of, I would say, maybe this generation. If we're counting like 2018 through 2023, I know global pandemic might be a bigger sports story there, but it's like a, a sports story for a generation that I think is incredibly fascinating. We will never see quite again. We might see a player as good as Watson get traded, but we will never see this level of circumstance and moral and ethical compromise surrounding all of this stuff. And I think it'll change the way that we look at sports, maybe just a little bit. And for people who maybe have had moral and ethical growth around this situation, like myself, I think it will change the way that we look at sports, but maybe it's not enough to create large macro level change. I don't think enough people are going to stop rooting for the Cleveland frowns or the Cleveland clowns because of this situation to actually instigate real change because the NFL is more popular than it's ever been before. As long as you keep it moving, apparently we'll still keep watching and spending large amounts of money as the Washington football team sold the five highest selling jerseys on the first two days after they released the commander's jerseys. We'll just keep the train rolling. We'll spend large amounts of money, invest our emotional stability in sports and Deshaun Watson be damned. Maybe that's the cynical point at the end, but I have seen change for myself and I've seen change in other people who are not willing to make the moral and ethical stands on, or who are willing to make moral and ethical stands on this situation. Maybe weren't in the past. Maybe I learned to not put athletes on the same pedestal because of this situation. And hopefully, if we can take lessons and learn from them, and maybe grow as better people, then we can use this Deshaun Watson situation to maybe learn something a little more about ourselves, more than just caring about three meaningless first-round picks that come back to the Houston Texans. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.